Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman, and this week's episode is kind of like an anniversary episode for me, because in July 2015, eight years ago, because I'm recording in August 2023, in July 2015, that's when I cut sugar, sweeteners and flour as a two-week temporary experiment that, to my amazement, is still going on today, eight years later. And I'd like to share with you the things that I've learned over my eight years sugar-free, especially because these eight years just started out as two weeks. So I'll get to the eight things I learned over my eight years sugar-free in just a minute. But first, I just wanted to say that if this is your first time here, then welcome and thank you for listening to this podcast. And whether you're new or a regular and you haven't yet rated or reviewed this podcast, could I ask you to scroll down and tap on the stars to rate this podcast and also to write a short review to let me know how this podcast is helping you in your life after sugar. I love reading your reviews. And when you rate and review this podcast, not only does it encourage me to continue making new episodes, but it also helps to share this podcast and have more people see it so that we can help more people feel better and lose weight with less sugar. So again, thank you for rating and reviewing this podcast and for spreading the word about sugar. Okay, so how does someone live for eight years without eating forms of added or refined sugars, sweeteners, artificial or natural, or refined grains in the form of flour? I mean, can you actually live real everyday life and still eat like this? Well, I certainly wouldn't have believed it myself if I wasn't the person living this type of life for the past eight years. And the very fact that it seems so impossible for someone to live their life eating essentially real whole foods says a lot, I think, about what we consider normal or what the processed foods industry has made us consider is normal because we just can't imagine what anyone would actually eat if they're not eating industrially processed foods, right? So that's the first thing I learned. You never know how one decision that you make will affect the rest of your life. So if you decide to put off, in this case, cutting sugar, then you may be putting off the most wonderful decision you ever made in your life. In fact, How do you know unless you actually do it? And the other thing I learned, number two, 
is that what you imagine might not actually be reality. For example, I imagined a sugar-free life as a sad, joyless life full of restrictions and self-denial. You know, I wouldn't be able to eat chocolate when I was feeling down or in need of comfort. I wouldn't be able to celebrate without cake or dessert. My meals would feel like unfinished without something sweet at the end. I'd be saying no at social functions all the time. I'd be judged for being different or for being on some kind of fad diet. I couldn't eat candy at Halloween or Easter eggs at Easter or all those yummy cakes and treats at Christmas or any other holiday. I couldn't eat ice cream in the summer or drink hot chocolate in the winter. Of course, I didn't have like a list in my head in July 2015 of all these things that I couldn't do, but it was there in the back of my mind like an underlying fear, helping me to put off that decision, helping me to resist, helping me to, well, stay stuck actually. So basically, the third thing that I learned in my eight years sugar-free, and it didn't take eight years to learn this, I actually learned it pretty fast, was that what we consider to be normal eating, especially in Western societies, and especially in the standard American diet, which has the aptly named acronym SAD, well, what I learned pretty fast is that what I'd considered to be normal eating all my life was actually full of highly processed, highly palatable foods, not cooked up, but engineered by the processed foods industry to make us hooked, to make us crave them, and to make us crave their convenience and their low price at checkout, but really their high price for our health, and basically to prevent us from actually learning what real food is and also the basic skill of cooking. It's almost like cooking at home is now considered to be some kind of specialised skill, something for people who have the time, energy and resources and not for the regular everyday person. You know what I mean? I've had so many people tell me that they don't have time or they don't have money to cook at home. And I'm not denying that it's true. In fact, I myself am a busy mom with a job and a business and a family to look after. And I don't have the time or money to spend on fancy foods and fancy recipes. But the thing that I learned, number three, is that you don't have to have a ton of time and money in order to eat, well, what I call normal foods now, real whole foods. So to sum up, number three is that I learned that my definition of normal had to change. And yours can too. And the fourth thing that I learned, and that I certainly wasn't expecting to learn, was that I actually didn't need these types of sweet and sugary foods to feel good. I mean, 
Okay, so all my life I had definitely believed that, well, I couldn't get through the regular ups and downs of life, especially the downs, without chocolate, without cookies, without ice cream, and without a little bit more of all of these treats. In fact, I believed that a treat was always sweet. And this was such a firm belief that if you'd have come along and told me, you know, Netta, treats don't always have to be sweet, I'd have laughed in your face. But the craziest thing that I learned, number four, is that my beliefs can change. And what helped my beliefs change was actually something really unexpected. And I'll tell you what that was right after this break. I want to take a quick break to say that if you're looking for some free resources about how to cut sugar, then I have plenty for you. Come check out the Life After Sugar Facebook page and subscribe to the Life After Sugar YouTube channel as well as my Instagram account at mylifeaftersugar. You can also check out my TikTok account at netta underscore lifeaftersugar. And if cravings are getting in the way and causing you to fall off the wagon, then I have five tips for you, especially if you're an intermittent faster, to help you get rid of cravings. Go to aftersugarclub.com and download your five tips today. Okay, I won't leave you hanging any longer And here is number four of what I learned pretty much at the beginning of my sugar-free journey. And that is that my beliefs can change, but only after my tastes changed. In fact, it was because during those first two weeks of my temporary experiment, I didn't actually eat any sweet foods. Now, you may be thinking that that would be impossible for you. And if you are, then I get it because I totally thought that it would be impossible for me. But actually, you can do anything for two weeks. And in the grand scheme of things, not eating sweet foods for two weeks is probably towards the bottom of things that make us suffer as human beings. You know, so I had to put things in perspective and basically have the attitude of, okay, well, let's just give it a go. And the most amazing thing happened after these two weeks of not eating any type of sweet tasting foods, it was that my taste buds changed. And then when I did eat something that was a little bit sweet, like a piece of fruit, it tasted super sweet. And that is what helped me change my belief that I needed something sweet in order to feel good. Mind-blowing, right? And I would never have believed that I could change my beliefs, let alone change my tastes, until I actually experienced it. So let that be a lesson to all of us. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that I never expected this whole sugar-free experiment to last longer than a couple of weeks. But after the first two weeks, 
I was so amazed to be feeling so much better, with more energy, less aches and pains, less cravings, less headaches, and to start losing my extra weight without even trying or suffering, that I thought, hmm, I wonder what'll happen if I carry on for just another week. And that week turned into another week and into months. And a year later, in July 2016, here's what I wrote. Today marks my one-year no-sugar anniversary. In the last year, I've learned that, one, it wasn't that difficult giving up sugar, starches and processed foods. What was difficult was changing my habits. Two, I'm enjoying this wonderful sense of freedom that comes from having let go of the emotional hold that food had on me. I discovered to my great surprise that food is very often a yardstick for emotional issues and that it's only a tiny bit about hunger. In fact, I probably would have found it much harder to give up sugar if I hadn't already settled a whole bunch of emotional obstacles. Three, I don't agree with nor follow the Canadian Food Guide. In fact, I think it plays a big part in perpetuating weight and health issues. Four, I have spent the last 365 days totally enjoying a wide range of foods, many of them newly discovered, and I have not deprived myself of anything. I feel empowered to know how to take care of my nutrition, my weight and my health. Eating as I do has now become a lifestyle. One year down, many more to go. Amazing, right? Even if I say so myself. And those are numbers 5, 6, 7 and 8 of what I learned. And actually, it didn't even take 8 years. As you can see, it only took one year. And ever since, I've been enjoying pretty much the same benefits for the seven years after that. Not always perfectly, not without its challenges, but really pretty sustainably. So let me recap for the eight things I learned in my eight years in my life after sugar And then I'll give you my biggest tip to make your life after sugar easy, natural and sustainable. So here's a recap of the eight things I learned in my eight years of living my life after sugar. First, you never know how one decision will affect your life. And what I learned was that as I kept putting off this decision to cut sugar, I actually kept putting off feeling better and getting rid of my cravings and my aches and pains and my headaches and my extra weight. So what I learned is to give it a try and give it a try ASAP. The second thing I learned was that what you imagine a sugar-free life could be like is probably pretty far from the reality. Personally, I had this negative view of a sugar-free life, probably born from the diet culture, of a life full of restriction and self-denial. But in fact, the reality is the complete opposite. It's full of freedom 
and joy and discovery and deliciousness. The third thing that I learned is that your definition of what normal is can change. What I used to believe was normal eating was full of highly processed, industrially concocted and engineered food products that nourished my cravings more than they nourished my body. So what I learned is that my definition of normal could change. And the fourth thing that I learned was that your beliefs can change and your tastes can change. In fact, my deeply held belief that I needed sugar for comfort, for reward, for stress relief, or basically as any type of emotional crutch, that belief changed when my tastes changed. When I started not actually liking sweet tastes anymore. And number five, what I learned was that it was more difficult to change my habits than it was to change my food. And number six, what I learned was that when I let go of the emotional hold that sugar and processed foods had on me, I found this feeling of freedom. And believe me, I'm not the only one to have discovered this. Another aspect of this feeling of freedom was not following any kind of food guide or healthy plate or the aptly named SAD or standard American diet, which just didn't fit me. And that's number seven on the list of what I learned. I learned that I had to decide for myself rather than following generalized government recommendations. And that made me feel empowered. And speaking of empowerment, the eighth thing that I learned was that when I widened the range of foods that I ate, including fermented foods, which were completely new to me, I always felt like I had choices. I never felt like I was depriving myself. And this was yet another aspect of my feeling of empowerment and freedom. And if you're wondering how to make your life after sugar sustainable and step out of the diet mentality and yo-yo diets where you keep starting and stopping, then here's my biggest tip for you. Find a community of like-minded people. Be part of a group that gets you and is walking on the same path as you. When I understood just how important a community of like-minded people is, I created the After Sugar Club. It's where you can get easy and simple sugar and flour-free recipes, my tips for quick wins for your sugar-free life, deeper dives for you to really transform your relationship with sugar and not need it anymore to be able to enjoy your life as well as a specific workshop to help you break free from cravings and lots of info and recipes for looking after your gut health by learning to make your own fermented foods and drinks. Plus, support and guidance and community and encouragement to let go of sugar and finally get rid of cravings in a sustainable way. Go to aftersugarclub.com 
and click on the big green button to join us. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.